This program is made possible thanks to the generosity of our listeners. Show your support at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hello, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Bresnitz. We are recording this opening on Thursday, and this is running on a Sunday. Hopefully we'll have a better idea of where we stand with the election by then. We hope that everyone's staying safe and staying sane, checking in with yourself, checking in with friends, making sure to not be constantly refreshing the news, which is more of a suggestion for myself. But we'll get through this. We're in it together, and the fight continues. We are super excited to be running a very special episode of Snacky Tunes. We were invited to be part of the World City Global Digital Conference, which was a very cool online summit that we participated in. We brought in two of our favorite restaurants, Lhasa from LA and Empress Market from London to talk about food, music, their participation in our new book out on Faden right now. And it was just a really cool conversation. So we hope that you enjoy it. Then we go into the archives from a performance from March of 2017, from a performance by Kid Wave, a group in Sweden, now lives in L.A., and it's a very, very uh, fun, inspirational, sort of the break that we need to get through the rest of this weekend. And again, if you haven't had a chance to pick up a copy of our book, please head over to Faden.com or any one of your local independent bookshops, order a copy. They make great holiday gifts. If you haven't thought about that yet, we're here to give you that suggestion. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on HRN. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, Snacky Tunes.
Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. I'm the other half your host, Greg Bresnitz, and welcome to World City. Yeah, we are so excited to be making this stop on our virtual book tour in support of our first book debut, first drop, Snacky Tunes. Music is the main ingredient, chefs and their music. And we are so excited to be have partnering with Faden on this. It is a dream come true. We are absolutely honored to be joined by two of the chefs in the book. We have Namra Siddiqui, all the way from London, chef owner of Empress Market. Namra, hello. Hiya. Nice to be part of this um, project. Yes, thank you. And yeah. Chad Valencia, shout out LA, hometown, chef owner of Lhasa. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Right on. Thanks for having me back. Very excited to be a part of this. Yes. And, you know, we are so excited that you were both part of this book, which for those who don't know, we interviewed 86 chefs and restaurateurs from all over the world about their relationship with food and music, how it uh, inspired them their entire life, influenced their creative process, how it relates to what they cook. And you both uh, chat along with your brother, Chase, um, showed up in a really great way. And we wanted to sit down and talk to you about why you love music, food, and how it influenced your life. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs> so our main focus of today is around chefs and their playlists, um, both how they inspire you, how they push you forward, how you use them in your restaurants, how you use it to design dishes, uh, and how you use it within the creative process. Uh, I would like to start with both of you. Um, in the book, every recipe is paired with a song. So both of you um, paired a song with a dish. Um, Chad, you paired uh, Felt Tip by Teebs with your rhubarb sing-yang with slow-roasted octopus and braised daikin. And Numra, you did a smoked aubergine in onion and tomato masala that was uh, paired with Ruby by uh, Ali Fortui and Tomani Fortui and Tomani Dekebi. Right? Yeah, 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 I, yeah. So. yeah. I apologize on yeah. pronunciation. What was interesting about both of you, neither of which that saw your submissions, is that both the song and the dish evoked the same feeling. For you, Chad, it had to deal with the ocean. Uh, and for you, uh, Nomura, it had to just do with a sense of freedom and a sense of feeling and sense of home. Um, what is it about these elements from these different things that are able to inspire the same emotions from two different creative outputs? Oh, man. Um, I feel like it, it's, it's kind of hard. Uh, I feel like at first it was... You know, you don't want to get too cerebral about it. You, you just really want to make a connection that kind of fits. Um, and I think Teebs' music um, just hits very close to home. He's actually one of my best friends. So um, his music in general is, is, is kind of the tempo and the vibe that I like to cook to. And then it, it is definitely on the more emotional side of things. So um, this dish is definitely an homage to a very traditional uh, Filipino dish that is one of my favorites. So it kind of just makes sense there. And then the second part is um, because it was a seafood version of this dish and there are these textural sounds in the song that are kind of misty and kind of sounds like water um, washing over in and out. It, it just made sense. There was a connection and um, yeah, and I played it for my brother, and he was like, that's perfect. And and just, it clicked. Mm. It clicked. Well, I mean, for me, with my recipe, um, it's a sort of dish that 
has been, I mean, like just today, actually, I actually was speaking to my grandmother on FaceTime and I was like, oh, you know, your recipe for Bengen Kapurta, which is like the smoked aubergine um, dish is like, you know, I, I got that published. And she's like, oh, that's one of our homey dishes. Why did you share that one? It's, but I'm like, that's what it is. It's like such a nostalgic sort of food where it's just like you make that every day and it kind of almost is made through instinct. And I feel like Ruby kind of has that same sort of feeling. I mean, it's, um, um, it's not a Pakistani song or anything. It's, you know, but it's a very, um, I don't know, it has a sort of like, sort of natural instincts kind of kind of falling through and I mean I like I kind of describe like, I think the smokiness when you're charring the aubergines and the sort of mm. like that the, the sm smell that comes from doing that kind of definitely gives you that sense of being outdoors and even when you're eating it it's just like you could have made it in your kitchen with one burner but you suddenly kind of transported somewhere else um so that's really important for me but at the same time it's so incredibly familiar as well so I think yeah that's how it brought those two together you know I Speaking to both of you during the interview process, I found that music was a lifelong connection to you from childhood, uh, which was also paired with food, but it did seem that music was really the first love. Can you talk about music's influence on you in your childhood and how you've carried that through into adulthood? Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it's I kind of talk about the way the food and music has kind of always been happening around me almost, and that's how I've learned mm. to cook. And even with music, like it's just, you know, I, I talked about it in my interview as well, where like, you know, I'd have Eagles and Bollywood music and then pop playing. And it's kind of like created that sort of mashup of uh, styles and aesthetics. Um, and you kind of understand where different places are coming from. And even the sights and smells of food, like the smell of the onions and the sizzling and like, my, you know, rushing home from like, you know, from school. And my mum's like, she's brought us in and we're quickly putting things together. All those things are kind of coming together. And it's so it's, you, it's all, I always kind of describe it, you don't know where one thing begins and one ends. Um, so I think, yeah, like that's, it's always, yeah, I can't, I wouldn't, um, yeah, I have, I have dreams about certain songs and I'll wake up and I'm like, oh God, like I know where that was. And What, what is one of the songs? Is that a curiosity? Well, I mean, one of the songs I talk about it, I mean, New Kid in Town is very much waking in and out of like um, sleep. And then today I was, um, I actually had this this week where I was trying to, there's a old Bollywood song by Kishore Kumar being like, Tere Bina. And it's the idea of like, I mean, roughly translating the lyrics is like, life without you is okay, but life, life not with you is um, would seem impossible and I'm, I just felt like having that weird Bollywood moment I'm like I feel that way about so many things where I'm like life's okay without my career or certain things um, but they, they yeah like I think a lot of Bollywood certainly plays out in my head <laughs> like 80s Bollywood um, in my sleep so yeah and, and Chad what about you and your brother and music and growing up what does that mean to you um, it, it means a lot to be honest, um, I've actually, for whatever personal reasons, took a long time in my career um, to even allow people to know that Chef Chad was a Stone Sorrow Leaving Records recording artist, you know? Um, I, think, yep. I think mainly it was just like, if we're talking about the restaurant, I really just want to talk about the restaurant. And if we're talking about the music, I just want to talk about the music. And, you know, it, I think they're just very, obviously they're coming from the same person. So there's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of vulnerability there, I guess, but it's just, it's so deep. Uh, we grew up uh, in a family full of like young Filipino DJs that DJed all the neighborhood parties, you know what I mean? And um, that was just always part of it. And before that, um, 
like everybody on my dad's side grew up playing, singing, playing guitar, piano, and sing, singing. And then my grandmother too. So it's just always been a part of it. And then owning a restaurant and creating a vibe, let's be real, you know, your playlist is half of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it was just, there's a lot of connections to it, to be honest. And then just being in the kitchen on an everyday basis, you share this space with a group of people for a certain amount of time and, you know, everyone's into very different things, but um, you also just learn a lot about who you're working with because of what they're trying to vibe out to, whether you're prepping or it's service and you're really trying to catch a certain rhythm, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, you bring up a good point about music's role in restaurants these days. And for a while it used to be, okay, maybe this is my uh, cultural background. Maybe this is my food background. This is the restaurant I cooked in. This is what's going to influence that I open. But now I feel that the music you listen to really influences what you're going to open. And you can see the music a lot of times in this book, whether it's the jazz or the classical the Bollywood, the DIY spirit, there's a, a, a through line between the music you love and the ethos of your restaurant. And you both have music playing in a huge part of, of um, what it is to you know, walk into your doors. Can you talk about a genre of music or a song that was a direct inspiration to the restaurants that you opened? Um, that, <laughs> I suppose, I mean, um... I think a lot of sort of, I mean, a whole sort of styles of music. I kind of like, um, at the time when I was opening the restaurant, I was listening to a lot of Kate Trinada. Um, I think that was kind of that sort of mood, that sort of mellow mood. I kind of creates right. a, a really nice aesthetic um, for the restaurant. And I think, um, I think it was just, yeah, I think it was kind of like, build, I, I kind of, you know, you kind of, it's a bit, a bit chilled and easygoing in the beginning of service. And then as it, you know, sort of the peak hours, about 7.38, I want to have like a bit of a party vibe. And then it's kind of like, I want people to get out <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> and so the sort of tone changes as well. Um, so yeah, I think I, at the time I was doing the restaurant, like you're the one, but Keishonard and Sid and things like, there were, yeah, that's, that's a strong song actually that sticks in my mind. Um, and I think, That's yeah, a great example. Yeah, that's definitely a vibe. Yeah. Katrina, the vibe. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that'd be a song for me. Now, I know that obviously we're living through a really tough time with independent restaurants. I know that, that both of you have been affected and you, you have pivoted and things like that. Um, but looking back or even looking forward, Friday night, week is over, people are going out to eat. What is the song vibe you want on when people walk into the restaurant that goes, the work week is done. I'm here for a meal. I'm here to just escape a little bit. Oh, that's, that's a hard question. That um, is such a hard question. We yeah. even have it to the point where we have different playlists by different either FOH or back of the house staff, just different staff members. And, you know, um, we all know and can we can all be like, oh, play Artie's playlist because we know at a certain time of the night, you know, the mellow one has been great and it set the vibe, but now service is rocking. There's people waiting to sit down and we're moving and we're feeling good. And, you know, we put on another playlist that's more upbeat. I can't even, specific yeah. artists and albums I mean, is so hard right now, uh, off top. Yeah. 
I think in the back of the kitchen, there's certain moments where we have like, I kind of like to have a, a female team and things. And we definitely get a 90s female angst going where there'll be a bit of Alanis or Fiona Apple and like listening to paperback. And the, yeah, that's like back of house. But I don't think I'd have that playing on the floor of the kitchen. <laughs> uh, but it's certainly, I'm just like, we're just kind of getting really wild up. And it's just quite funny. Um, and we're all just singing along to a lot of the stuff as well. So um, I think that gets kind of gets us in the mood a bit um, during service. So um yeah but I think front of house yeah like I think I sit there for ages trying to perfect my playlist and then I'll be playing and I'm like who put that song in it someone change the song like deliver me to evil cause I don't wanna feel no more deliver me to evil I don't want to feel I want to hurt and not feel I want to have an ice cold heart With no emotion on the Yeah. 
One of the things you said in the book was that your passion for your craft as a chef and businesswoman comes directly from your tea musical obsession. So I'm curious how your love of Hanson Mbop, uh drives you as a businesswoman and a chef. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, okay, so I mean, you have to, I have to create this image of me growing up in Pakistan and somehow this band from middle America, these blonde boys, like, floor to ceiling whole room was plastered with these posters <laughs> and i would somehow get these magazines i had the christmas album playing and my parents were like what and i was just so dedicated to the cause and obviously there was some sort of like theme girl hormones and i was just like i was just so dedicated and whenever we'd be like we'd come to london and stuff a lot and i'd be like okay oh my god no they're going to be in town and my mom would be like okay fine, we're going to take you to you know hmv the music shop and you're going to get your cd signed and i certainly feel like my mom says that about me, like, since as a kid, if I believed in something, there was, it was very hard to kind of shake me off the cause. And there were times almost like I'd convince myself of the belief. And then they'd be like, oh, actually, I don't like, you know, I turned, I think probably about 17, where I was like, oh, I don't like them anymore. And I have better <laughs> taste in music than like. Uh, and it, I mean, for, that's quite old. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think, I mean, that's shamefully like, but I was just so dedicated to the cause, these blonde boys. Um, it sounds really disturbing. Um, but I, think, I mean, I think that. You were age appropriate. Out, <laughs> I know, not anymore. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I come up with these facts when people are like, why do you still know this? I'm like, I don't know. Um, but it's just embedded in my mind. But yeah, but certainly with my work as well, like um, I, I, you know, before I, I kind of, I came into the industry quite differently. I used to work in a documentary form and I was just so dedicated to it. And I feel, and I can say, I, I feel really proud saying that about myself, where I just like push myself. Um, and I, I, with food, it's so personal for me that I, I think that sort of dedication comes through. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah. The point with the comparison with Hansen is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Chad, similar to that, um, Fela Kuti and Jay Dilla are cited as inspirations for driving you. Specifically, uh, Fela, how they took, uh, you know, him as a leader and then as the whole band took their own approach to music and made it their own. And you said that was a massive inspiration for Lhasa. Where do you see the connection to the two um, of these musicians with their way they approach their own craft um, and you approaching your own cuisine? Um. Side note, I'm pretty sure Chase answered or wrote that one, but I can respond <laughs> partly for him and because I'm just avid as a fan as he is. Um, I think personally, I probably have more of a connection with Dilla. Um, and uh, I think even just the importance of uh, the influence he had in music in Los Angeles at the time he was around before he passed was I would say similar to the way Chase and I took the idea of what everyone expected a restaurant to be and the traditional way of opening a restaurant and taking that and being like, 
no, we could cut it up and rearrange it and make our version of it, you know? And um, I think just the energy and spirit of kind of the independent, kind of like free, the freedom in it, you know? Like we can do whatever the F we want, you know? Um, and I think that spirit in Dilla's music definitely lives in Lassa's kind of demeanor and how we go about existing in the restaurant landscape in LA, you know? Mm. Yeah. There is a great quote um, also from the Lassa interview that says, as cliched as it sounds, every dish at Lassa is a song. And I really like that because it does make a parallel between what goes into crafting something for people to enjoy, right? Whether that's the song, a dish, a restaurant, a painting or something like that, it gets to the, because the, the, the next part of the quote is everything has distinct parts, right? And I love that you have all these creative building blocks, but I would love for you to both talk about your creative process and what it means to put a dish together and how something gets on the menu and out of your brain and then out of the kitchen. Cause we all know that there's some dishes that never make it out of the kitchen as right. well, but enough for it to be like, this is out of my brain, it's out of the kitchen. It's who I am, it's what I want people to eat and to consume at the restaurant. I'd love to know what you put into that process. Um, I mean, that quote that you're actually referring to, that stuck out to me when I was reading some of the bits, um, Chad, that was written about, you know, the different elements coming together in music the same way, like salt, fat, acid, and texture, and all those things playing. And I think that's so true. That really resonated with me. Um, and I think, I mean, for me, it's like, I again, having learned how to cook from, you know, my mom, my grandmother, and having kind of built on my own passion, it's like, it's almost like the, I, I kind of sometimes feel like I'm coming in backwards with certain things. And it's like, um, just recently, there's um, the place that I'm working at the moment, they brought in loads of pineapples to simply just to garnish the pina coladas. And I was like, you're just going to use these as garnishes. And I was like smelling them. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I took two back in the kitchen. I snuck them back. And the next thing you know, I'm caramelizing them and making a pickle out of them. And the drawing, Ooh. I was like, you know, saw the base that I'd be using for a coriander seed, cumin seed base with, um, you know, aniseed and black cardamom and things. And I was like, I could find a base for like a normal a Pakistani pickle and then building on that and taking this ingredient. And I think it's just like, I, you know, when you kind of, when you read about musicians as well, it's like suddenly something just sparks in your brain and like the melody kind of builds in. And I think that's sort of my way I, I approach my cooking. Um, but it does come from a place where like, there's I, I talk a lot about it in the way that I was like I'm, I don't believe in like essentialism and like there's only one way to cook certain type of foods and I think a lot of South Asian food in a way to almost um, uh, I suppose kind of create its sort of like own um, how would you describe it but to create its sort of like own sort of magic people are like no there's only one way to make a biryani it's only one way to make Haleem and things and I'm like actually no there's people have different tastes different regionalities and you know the way my grandmother put the size of her hand is so different from mine so when she pours spices the flavors change and her sights change mm. and in the same way like I feel like my food has evolved that way my experience of being in you know living in London traveling different places um and picking up different skills I think that's how it kind of evolves so I think that sort of parallel certainly brings true to me I think Chad? Um, I 
think there's a handful of different ways that dishes end up getting composed. But um, I mean, you know, it's here in LA, it's walking down the street and going to get a taco and, you know, something as simple as the salsa and the combination of, or whatever meat it is, might inspire me to think about something differently. I think for me, it's, it's finding parallels. Um, just because we don't really cook super traditional Filipino food. Some of it is, but um, it's really like I'm just sitting back and living until something kind of jumps at me and makes me think of how I could flip something, kind of like making a beat. You know, you're finding yeah. a sample and you're digging through records and you find a loop and you're like, I can make a completely different song out of this, but honor the original. That's kind of mm -hmm. how I go about it. Um, yeah. It's, it doesn't get too cerebral. Sometimes it does, but um, it's really just finding parallels too in other cuisines. Um, like we have a poke dish on right now. Obviously there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of Filipinos in Hawaii. Um, and then poke is obviously a mixture of Japanese, Hawaiian, and Hawaiian American. And... Um, so yeah, then and then the Filipino version is of something like poke is more akin to ceviche, which is, you know, Latino, Latin American. And so our version is kind of a mashup of all those things, but really trying to make it more Filipino out of all of those and just, you know, tastes and touches of the other cultures that are inspired by that dish in general. So you, there's just finding these parallels to make sense of it um, yeah. without ruining it, you know? Really, that's, that's, that's the end goal is don't ruin it. Like, make it your own, but don't ruin it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I've been, given that, I've been given that instruction in the kitchen plenty of times. Just don't ruin it. And I'm just like, oh, like what am I going to do? But I mean, I think that's so interesting. It's like being um, a diaspora sort of um, chef and being how coming from an immigrant experience. It's like you're not just bringing your heritage you're also around different people. I mean, I've grown up in, I don't know, like in London, I, I live in South London in Brixton. And there's a large like West Indian, Afro-Caribbean community. And just being like, you know, and my family's funnily enough, like always lived around this area. And my grandmother still talks about, my mum talks about as well, like going to Brixton market and picking up ingredients and vegetables I'd never seen before and cooking a plantain and putting it in a curry, for instance. And we don't have, we've never cooked with that in Pakistan, but suddenly it becomes its new thing. And I think that's so magic. Um, and um, yeah, I think, and there's also that shared sort of sense of like English food is so bland. Yes, it is, isn't it? And this is like, we all kind of come together with that. And um, so, yeah, I think there's that sort of like fusion as well. It's nice. One of the things we really want young chefs who read this book is to take away about how to use music as an ingredient within their restaurants. So what advice do you have to young chefs who are opening their first spot, their first stall, their first food truck, whatever, on how to build a good playlist or a good audio signature and things to consider uh, and things to also maybe stay away from? Um, I think with young, I mean, it's, it's a thing with music, I think we all, we've all gone through that stage where it was incredibly, like our taste in music was like a sort of a signifier and qualifier of our coolness, of our credibility and all right. those sort of things. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not yeah. listening to the, and I mean, I like kind of like, I, I was saying that earlier, I mean, me, I'm just so unashamedly like, yeah, I used to be into Hanson when I was 10. 
Um, and it's embarrassing as hell, but I'm like, yeah, that's part of me. And it's, um, I'm not allowed to talk about it in so many circles. I'm still am, should stop. <laughs> but it's like, I think with young people, it's like just not being so trying to prove themselves. I think that's going to happen naturally, but I think that's very much the case with young chefs where they're like, I need to be the coolest. I'm trying the newest things. I'm going to invent mm. how to make this sauce and do that thing. And it's like, actually, no, um, be true to yourself. Try to understand where you're coming from. Try to understand um, the sort of food scene that you're working in and just be, um, yeah, not, yeah, I think don't try so hard, which is, um, yeah. That's, like That's the yeah. correct answer for sure yeah. is don't <laughs> try so though. hard and be, be really honest about it. You know, like what is your vibe as a person? the vibe you have as a person is going to bring in the type of staff you have. And then, you know, a lot of that's going to resonate and, you know, like more than likely there's going to be some similarities in what you and your squad are listening to, or like mm -hmm. trying to listen to together, pre-service, during service, post-service. And I feel like if it's really honest and transparent, then that vibe in general, because it's just real is really going to be able to capture a vibe for, a guest you know what I mean like if if the staff is enjoying what's playing while they're rocking service then I think people are gonna enjoy the food a little bit more you know naturally Definitely. yeah I love that and it brings us to our final question which is how do you both use food and music to connect both to your colleagues yourself and your guests I mean, that could be deep too, man. Yeah. <laughs> go deep. We uh, have a little bit of time to go deep. <laughs> I think for us, uh, you know, naturally just of um, our social group and our community for Lhasa is pretty involved with kind of the, you know, hip hop, electronic, independent um, community in Los Angeles. So there's a lot of heads that are coming through um, on the regular, like Mind Design, Toki Monster, Teebs, uh, Daedalus, Alfred. Um, you know, there's there's a handful of people that are coming through just because we know them. Uh, I've known them in the past for music, but they are into food and enjoy the vibe at Lhasa. So, I mean, um, I think naturally we kind of draw, we kind of draw that vibe in. Um, to you know like-minded people and and in general i think like the last question if what we're playing throughout service is really embodying who we are and allowing people to and it's it's not too serious you know it's still just it's a good time it's, it's, it's all vibe um yeah. and it's just allowing people to enjoy themselves i mean i, I can tell you that there was not one night of service ever in the history of Lhasa while we were open that someone wouldn't come up and ask Chase, Steph, or one of the mm. servers, what playlists or what were we listening to? Like every night, no matter out, no matter what, without a fail. You know what I mean? And oh yeah. Um, yeah. or like if my not problem, the playlist, like what track is this? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 I mean the same. I kind of. I mean, I that was a sort of. It's funny, like on my like sort of mission of what I wanted for Empress Market and my pop-ups was very much like the music becomes part of the experience. And certainly like I've had that with people like, what song is this? Or, oh my God, I heard this, you know, this song so many years ago, or we'll be playing. There'll be, I mean, through my team, I'll be learning so many like sort of Afrobeats and 
um, we'll all be just dancing to Joanna or like Jerusalem and things. And I'm just like, it just suddenly becomes that thing. And everyone's like, but well, this is a Pakistani restaurant. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but we're in South London and there's so many different things which are influencing and shaping me. And um, it's just shaping all those sort of sounds are kind of coming together. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, I think it, it kind of like the experience becomes representative of not just who I am, but the people that I'm surrounding myself with and this taste and sounds and everything that I, is coming together. Um, but yeah, like, I think, I mean, it's a, that, that sort of element of authenticity, I think is true. Like it has to be, be a part of it. Um, that, yeah, and it's you just suddenly, you know, everyone can identify with the experience. It doesn't need to be alien or it doesn't need to be some foreign exotic experience they're having. It's like, no, this is, I can identify with this person and we come from the same place. Well, Chad, Namra, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you to World City as well for having thank us you. part of the Snacky thank Cheeseburger. You. Thanks for participating in the book uh, and giving us your time. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, the yeah, pleasure was, was mine. It's an absolute pleasure. Check out, uh, the restaurants or, or where they can go. Uh, why don't you plug your socials? Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, I'm currently, I'm hosting, I'll be hosting events. Um, obviously, everything's a bit, I'm still regrouping and pivoting at the moment, but you can follow me on Instagram at Empress Market. Um, yeah. And Facebook, and then, I think, as well. <laughs> Right on. Uh, Lasa's website is we're we're currently just following the rules, you know. Um, we're doing mostly takeout, and we do have a patio now, uh, outdoor dining, which is extremely helpful during these times. Um, and yeah, you can just catch us on Instagram, Lasa L A S A underscore L A, and then the website is Lasa hyphen L A dot com. Great. And you can find us at Snacky Tunes. Uh, this is part of our official Snacky Tunes book tour. So for more dates and events, you can go to snackytunes.com. Uh, I am one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. And I'm your other half, Darren Bresnitz. Thank you to Faden as well, the World City, everyone for tuning in. We appreciate it. Support your independent restaurants. Please, please. And your independent please. bookstores. And your independent <laughs> bookstores. Please, please, please. And independent artist musicians. Yeah, just yeah. All, all things independent. <laughs> all things independent. Fulfilling <laughs> artist. Support where you can, even if it's just an Instagram yeah. post or something. Just spread the word, spread the love. And thank you. Thank you for everyone who took time to be a part of this. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you soon. Oh, heaven, the 
yes when you said never let you try again what you said and you said hello let me go let me lie here I can't believe it's the end here oh let me stay let us die here stay far away where I All of us at HRN have been keeping busy despite working and recording from home. This fall, we're proud to announce new shows on the network that each bring important and enlightening stories to listeners around the world. While the world is in turmoil and the future of our country is uncertain, there are certain constants that help keep us going. For us, food and storytelling are essential. While we can't come together in person, food podcasts from HRN can provide a virtual table we can all gather around. Bringing exceptional stories to your ears and keeping you informed on the ever-changing political and environmental issues of our time is integral to our mission. At a time when the world around us is rapidly changing, HRN is committed to being here for our listening community, and we need you to be here for us. Join our table and help ensure the future of food radio by becoming a member of HRN. 
Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to make a contribution. Check out the latest additions to our lineup while you're there. You can see all of our series at heritageradionetwork.org slash new shows. Welcome back. Kid Wave Live in studio. Hello. Thanks for coming by on your way down to Austin. Oh, thank you. Uh, first time down to South by? Yes. Are you excited? I'm very excited, yeah. We're going to get to that in, the, in a moment, but we're going to start from the beginning. 2011, yeah. you leave Sweden, go to the United Kingdom. Yeah. Why, why did you leave Sweden? What was the music scene there? And what did you see or hope to find in the uh, UK? Yeah, so I moved mainly because like, I guess I was, you know, I was 19 and I wanted to get out from, from quite a small town. So I figured London would be the place to go. And so I yeah, took my suitcase and went. Um, yeah, I thought that the scene in London was a little bit more vibrant. Where I was from in Sweden, there was literally no music scene. So that was actually the reason why I went in the first place, just to have a scene. Um, Where were you getting your influences from? At the time. At the time, when you were still home. Um, mainly from my friends' bands, actually. A lot of people think when they hear the first record, they think that it's from a lot of 90s bands mm. and whatnot. But the reason why it sounds like that is because I was very influenced by my friends' bands, mm-hmm. who were all quite influenced by those bands. But at the time, I had no idea what those bands were. Um, so, yeah, I was... Back then, I was mainly just going to see my friends play. I listened to their records. Um, so, yeah, weirdly enough, it was just in a, within a quite small circuit of friends. What did you find when you got to London? Did you find what the inspiration you're looking for besides your friends' bands, or was it not exactly um, what you had hoped for? It was what I had hoped for. It was a lot more difficult than I'd thought. So, in, in what way? It was just a challenge to move to London when you're that young and have you know had no money whatsoever. So I found that it was you know causing a lot of anxiety and stress. So I guess the the lyrical content is a lot about like the whole anxiety, whereas the music was kind of already there when I moved. I knew what kind of music I wanted to make. Um, so it was not a case of me going to London and you know exploring the music scene and taking it all in and t- transforming my music into something similar. I think the songs and the music were co- like. That I already had a vision when I went, but yeah, the lyrical content definitely inspired it. <laughs> was the were the lyrics uh, there before you moved, or were they adapted when you got there? It's, they, it's interesting. Yeah, no, they were all um, like when I write, I came, I normally just come up with a or like musical idea, like an instrumental, and then I um, come up with a vocal melody, and then the, the lyrics go on top of that. But I so yeah, I think the lyrics were all kind of like in the time being um, came from, yeah, from there. And what led you to your first EP, or when did you feel that you were ready to release Gloom? So Gloom came out once I had... um, So I wrote a couple of songs, and I put out a single called All I Want on a Bandcamp page um, online, and that generated a lot of interest um, that I wasn't expecting at all. So I was like, oh, I keep, I keep writing, keep putting things that out. Works. That works. That works, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I did that, and I wrote a couple of songs, and Gloom was one of them. And there was a label um, in London called Heavenly Recordings that I, I had just heard of them, and they had these amazing band on their roster, and they were basically the first label that I sent my songs to. And 
Yeah, I was very lucky. Just that easy. Yeah, it sounds like a dream. You just send it but to the first one. They say, it w- sure. <laughs> it sounds like a dream, and it was a very old school way of, um, you know, things to happen. But yeah, it happened, and they picked up on it. And I didn't have a manager or anything at the time. Looking back, a manager would always have gone, let's explore our options. If one label is interested, there might be other labels. But Heavenly turned out to be a great label, and they were very supportive and put, ended up putting out my first EP and my first record. Can we hear a song? Yeah. What are you going to play for us first? We're going to play a song of that first record called Honey. Live on Snacky Tunes. So you mentioned your LP came out 2015, mm-hmm. Wanderlust. 
How would living in London influence that as opposed to the songs that kind of came pre-written from Sweden? Um, I think the songs develop with my songwriting. So considering the first couple of songs um, I wrote when I was 19, I'd just moved to London, um, I had more time to write the album. Um, well, everything happened kind of quickly, but I moved to London, um, put out two songs online, I got the record deal, and a lot of the songs that I had put out as demos online they wanted on the record as well so it was a case of going in and re-recording it and um yeah i guess the newest like the songs that were added last to the record were i think better than what is, like it, in the, is it in the sequencing like as you get later in the record i think so <laughs> i think so i mean i think that my writing gets better and better and i, I think any songwriter would say the same thing because you it's all like you know you add life experiences to it and your writing gets better. It's like any craft; you do it, and the, the more you do it, the better you get at it. As you know, as you can say whatever you want, but I think that's the case. And as you grew and you put your band together, you found a band member from Sweden, from mm-hmm. Australia, from yeah. Britain. Did you like try to make it uh, as multinational as possible? Or is that just how it no, happened? No, that was just how it happened. I went to a like I studied sound engineering for six months in London and. At that school, I met Sarah, the drummer, who was um, from Australia. And um, the guitarist at the time, um, he's also Swedish, and he was an, like an old friend from of mine in back from Sweden, and he's a great guitarist. And I had him play on the demos and a lot of the recordings because he's just amazing. And um, then I really wanted him to be in the band as well. And he came, kind of came over and did a few shows with us. Um, and then things got really serious. We got a record deal and, you know, got a booking agent and started going around. And he just had to, you know, make that call whether to move to London or not. And he did. So <laughs> now I've left London and Matthias is still in London. <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk about that. You decided to move to L.A. So what mm-hmm. did you hope to find in L.A. that you no longer found in London? I guess it was just the same thing. The same reason why I moved to London. The same reason why I moved to L.A. I think the music scene out there is better at the moment it's a bit cheaper to live still london got crazy kind of it's getting there, I, it's though. getting there it's that's really the thing though there. i i went out last year to like in, in the spring and it was way cheaper back then and it was now <laughs> but um yeah the scene is really good out there at the moment i think there's a lot of bands you get as a musician and artist you get more you have more space you can easily get a rehearsal space or studio time with in london everything's very cramped it's harder it's more difficult i feel like in la everyone has a studio in their Mm -hmm. house exactly people seem more chill about it as well you know and you've been finding some local writers to work on songs with who you've been working with i'm i don't i haven't worked on with writers mainly like musicians Mm -hmm. like jackson who's here in the studio with me right now he's (laughs) a local la musician um plays in a really good band as well called snowball too worth checking out uh, <laughs> just did like a bit of promo there. Uh, so yeah, no. It, basically, I went out to LA. I met a lot of musicians via my friends out there, who are all awesome musicians. And um, yeah, and I just found some people to play with and go and tour with. And did you see your lyrics adapting? Like when you went out to London mm-hmm. uh, to the surrounding of LA, and if so, how? Um, I think they're more personal. They're more direct now compared to the first record. I think that's more of a a natural development of my writing, though. I'm not sure the move to LA necessarily inspired it. I think it's more of 
being having more confidence and being able to put yourself out there a little bit more, which also comes with age, I guess. I mean, I'm not 90. I mean, I'm 24, so I'm not, it's not like I'm getting old or anything. But it's been five years, so of course that makes a huge difference uh, in terms of what's happened to you in your life and stuff. But yeah, not sure LA... Apart from, of course, if you move to a place like LA, you're going to come across some, you know, pretty messed up things. <laughs> so there's been a lot to write about um, just because I put myself in those situations where I moved from any, one any big city th- to any another. Any example you care to share? Um, I don't know. I feel like it's just in general when, like, London and Europe is quite different to LA. So I found a big clash and kind of... I wouldn't say morals is the wrong thing, but I find that the um, the way people live and are out there is very different. And it's not necessarily right or wrong. It's just different. And I don't know, it's just been in, like... There's been so many, like, weird parties. I went to, like, a wake, like, <laughs> somebody's wake, and that was, like, a big party, like, a house party. <laughs> and stuff like that is just, like, fucked up, um... So, I don't know, it's just been a lot to take in, I think, in terms of it's being very different from where I'm from. Can we hear another song? Mm-hmm. What are you going to play for us? We're going to play another song of the first record called Wanderlust.
currently on tour mm-hmm. with the shins yeah how did that come about that came about as my somebody i think it might have been in like my manager or somebody in that team actually sent james mercer my new demos and yeah he kind of just just got, like just yeah like just label. like i know <laughs> it sounds crazy um and yeah he really liked it apparently and offered me to come on tour with him. And here you are. So where and you have a couple shows at uh, a show at Baby's Alright too this week. Yeah, I'm playing my first ever headline show at Baby's Alright tomorrow. Which is the best venue. They've I've heard. A, I'm super the, excited. I've Billy never been. Billy and the team have been on the show before. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's become the well after all the venues in Brooklyn shut down it's become the de facto. Yeah. And not by default it's, it's gr- it was already great and now it's just the only one left. I think coming from like outside of New York Baby's Alright is venue everyone's heard about like in terms of smaller venues and smaller bands and stuff so. and and it's just great and when you get on stage with the lights behind it's awesome. awesome and then where are the shows with the shins the show on tuesday is going to be at the bowery and the one on wednesday is at music hall of williamsburg and then you are on your way to south by south and then literally coming off stage at music hall and Going straight to the airport, pretty much. No, we're flying out really early in the morning. So as someone's first South By in 2017, what are your thoughts on it and what are you hoping to get out of it? I I mean, I keep hearing... S- the thing is, everyone keeps telling me it's amazing. And then everyone keeps telling me it's not as good as it used to be. And then, well, nothing <laughs> is. Well, then everyone also, everyone's going to tell you that it's not as good as it used to be, but it's still very good. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just super excited and I know for a fact that it's going to be very hectic because we're doing multiple showcases on like each day so gonna go out there and probably just be running around like crazy but then we have a day off as well on the saturday where we're just gonna no on the sunday i think well a fun fact is that Yi and i first met at south by when i was still in college yeah when she was working at fader and she turned me away from the party (laughs) she didn't do like a full body turn she did the you're not on the list and then kind of the like quarter intern oh where you're not on the inside and then six months later I was her intern at Fader because I was like well that's not going to fly with me <laughs> so that's what you got to do right Just yeah like- that's what it's got to do we want to make sure we have time for one more song mm-hmm. thanks for joining um, no, thanks for having me yeah outside the tour anything coming up other LP yeah future writing plans there is an EP coming out okay to um, bridge over to the second album so there is I mean, this might be the first announcement of it but yeah there's an EP coming out and um, the song that we're going to play now is the first single of the EP it's called Everything Changes and then there's more singles coming and then yeah the EP drops I think sometime in the summer or early summer same label? no New label. new label. Who's the new or, label? Um, actually, secret. Okay. Yeah. Not the name of the label, just actually a secret. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so where can people find you, catch you on tour, they, um, get all the information? They can find me on all social channels as Kidway Music. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it, I'm everywhere. And um, they can, yeah, we're touring now with the Shins and doing South By and then I'm doing 
two shows in LA, I've got a headline show in LA coming up as well at the Echo on the 15th of April and then keep probably keep touring. Just keep I going. Think, yeah, keep going. And writing music. Yeah, exactly. Well, Lin Yi, thank you. Make sure to go to uh, bit.ly backslash all caps mold capital M mag uh, to contribute to the Kickstarter. Uh, appreciate everyone coming by today and we will be back next week with another episode of Snacky Tunes. Take us out. Yeah.
talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.